Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers with Lynn Menges, who's the President and Chief Executive Officer of the North Carolina Restaurant and Lodging Association. At uh, one time, prior to this current position, she served as Deputy Secretary in the North Carolina Department of Commerce, overseeing the marketing of the state of North Carolina as a business location and a destination for tourism. Also, uh, the film industry, you work some in that area in sports development. So you have a background that's uh, really interesting. And I guess that's been very beneficial to you in your new job. I say new job. You've been there now for uh, 12 years, 12 12 years. Time flies. Yes. And and they said she couldn't keep a job. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but uh, I, I bet that background really helped you get off to a great start. Well, Don, I have a real passion for this industry. So, you know, for, as you mentioned, for many years, I worked to uh, recruit visitors, to get visitors to choose North Carolina as a travel destination and partnered with communities all over North Carolina to increase the opportunities for people to visit, to create festivals and events and and lure conventions and lure films to our state to try to get investment. And um, we had some really good success with that over the 20 years that I was with the state of North Carolina. But in this current role, my job is a bit different, and it's to make sure that the businesses that benefit from that business um, are represented and that we put in place good policies so that they can continue to thrive. If you think about it, you know, the reason we try to get people to visit North Carolina is, yes, we want to share our amazing state, but really we want them to spend the night in a hotel and to eat meals in restaurants and to visit our many attractions, to buy local goods and arts and crafts, to spend money in North Carolina. And so those businesses are the ones I represent and work for today. And the challenge and opportunity is to make sure that hotels and restaurants and attractions continue to thrive and grow and prosper and that government, as they consider policies and laws that they're going to put in place, do so in a way that that don't hurt those businesses, that create the least harm. And in many cases, um, pass legislation that helps the industry to grow and thrive. Um, One example of that is that, you know, during COVID, legislators were and policymakers in general were very empathetic to the concerns of our industry. And we were able to work successfully with policymakers to get um, grant money to help rebuild our workforce, to get training money to help train new workers coming into the industry and to put in place high school and college programming for uh, people who are interested in careers in hospitality. We also got Um, some grant money that went directly to businesses that had struggled during COVID. Those who had suffered the most loss received uh, some grant funding to help them recover and sustain. And so we're particularly proud that North Carolina set itself apart in that way. There were no other states in the nation that have done anything like we've done to help restaurants and hotels in the aftermath of COVID. And uh, I take particular pride in that because I think I was just so passionate about the fact that we could not let our tourism economy um, struggle. We couldn't couldn't lose ground. We had to work hard to protect these businesses, and we did that. So, yes, I'm enjoying this this new line of work, but I'm also honored that I was in this am in this place at this time um, to help the industry in some what I think are some important ways. Well, business travel and conventions are very much an important part of the hotel part and, of course, the restaurant part of your business, uh, of your association as well. Uh, Are conventions back in vogue now? Because that was one of the things that really suffered during COVID. 
Well, it did suffer during COVID. And then there was this um, great concern that when conventions came back, when folks could could travel again and conventions could be held again, that there would be some decrease in attendance at events and meetings and conventions. We really have not seen that. Um, You know, there were all these businesses that were trying to jockey for, you know, Zoom and virtual experiences and things of that nature in, you know, that would that would take the place of meetings and conventions. But I think what we're finding is that the desire to be together, the desire for networking and informal conversations that happen around lunch tables and dinner and evening receptions are so vitally important. Um, those human connections are such an integral part of, of business and meetings and conventions that um, we're seeing, seeing that business remain strong. More conventions are coming than ever before and attendance remains strong. So no fall off there, despite the fact that there were some concerns early on. Um, we've continued to do quite well here in North Carolina uh, because we've got great convention facilities across the state in small towns and large urban settings. Um, we're an easy state with great transportation infrastructure. So we've got, you know, it's easy for folks from across the country internationally to fly into North Carolina and with expanding service happening literally every day in our state. And we've got a great highway system. So for those who want to travel by car to uh, for meetings and conventions, we're very easy uh, to access. So those things coupled together, I think, make us a, a strong meeting and convention destination and I think we will continue to be. You know, I I get I I keep watching the number of airlines that are adding desti- new destinations, especially out of Raleigh, Durham, Charlotte, and Greensboro. And uh, I tend to think of that from the those going out, but that that also opens us to people from places like Milwaukee. That's a new nonstop lo- uh, destination that's just recently been added to come to North Carolina. So it works both ways. Exactly, Don. And I caught that just as you were saying that uh, you were focused on the outbound travel because yes. that's you and I. We we're like, oh, wow, we can go to these great new yeah. places and visit. But when you're in my line of work, you're thinking about the opportunities for bringing visitors in. It's the opposite. Yeah. So uh, that really is our focus. And we're quick to seize on those opportunities to attract new visitors, you know, and they can get here nonstop, uh, you know, nonstop flights now. Um, and so those are really new to whole new markets for us to tap into. And we've done that, I think, pretty well in the state. So how do you go about uh, now that there's a nonstop to, say, Milwaukee, how do you go about promoting that? Uh, well, largely, that work is done by Visit NC, my former where I, I used to work. I still work very closely with those folks, but they really do uh, identify those as new markets, uh, potential markets. And so when there is a convention or meeting or a business meeting, uh, they can go into those markets and work specifically to attract maybe a new comp- a company from Milwaukee, you say, who may not have considered, say, Raleigh, North Carolina, because it wasn't a direct flight. Now they may because they can put all their employees on a plane and get them here, can meet in Raleigh. So it's a great untapped uh, new market that wasn't, uh, you know, didn't have potential prior to, you know, opening that flight. So there's very definitely a concerted effort to to seize those new direct uh, flights coming into our state, into cities across North Carolina who are opening those new flights. Um, great opportunity. Jason handed me a note and said, you haven't said anything about NASCAR. And of course, that's another attraction, especially in Charlotte. But something interesting has happened at the North uh, North Wilkesboro Speedway, which was the victim of some of the larger speedway uh improvements and uh, they lost their races and it was very popular but now 
the citizens of that area have worked together and have reopened that that uh, racetrack, and that's that's uh, and it very everybody's really excited about it. That's right. That's right. We are a, a state that's uh, steeped in motorsports in general. We love our motorsports, NASCAR included. Uh, and it's great to have those venues that bring not only those big high profile races, but weekend races and, you know, all kinds of other events, concerts. Those those venues um, are, you know, incredibly important in our state. Um, and the, the the folks at the Speedway, but all this, you know, the both Speedways have done a phenomenal job of attracting visitors and opening themselves up, uh, allowing their venues to be used for other things. So really, you know, tours and behind the scene tours and driving experiences. Uh, so the opportunities for engagement with visitors and new visitors uh, is tremendous. We're we're fortunately a state with so many things to offer, um, unlike competitive destinations where they really just have beaches or just have mountains or, you know, just have a few cities. We really have such a diverse offering. Uh, it gives us great flexibility in uh, in expanding tourism and uh, the money that both business and leisure travelers bring to our state. And of course, you also work with uh, the transportation department because developing routes to these vacation sites and ease of travel is very important. It is. And uh, so we do work closely with our North Carolina Department of Transportation. We're blessed in our state to have just an incredible uh, highway infrastructure, interstate highways, uh, you know, running through our state um, that make transportation and travel really easy. Uh, great rail system, airline system. Uh, so we are blessed in many, many ways. It's important. It's important for economic development. It's important for tourism. It's important for business investment. Um, and it all works together. I should have asked this question earlier. Uh, are hotels generally back to the same occupancy ratios that they had before COVID? The hotels are are back and they're doing, they've done quite well. They uh, really saw a surge after the pandemic. Um, but now uh, that seems to be tapering off just a bit. They're commanding higher prices than they ever have before, even as hotel demand softens just a little bit right now. Some of that is inflationary, you know, driven with businesses cutting back on business travel and consumers maybe traveling, cutting a day off a trip. So we're seeing a little bit of that, uh, you know, decrease in or, or leveling out of occupancy, although rate uh, continues to be high. So they're still commanding pretty impressive uh, amounts of revenue um, from the hotel rooms that they do sell. Overall, um, hospitality investment was up 4% in December. So we're seeing that continue to increase, but the, the, the increase in revenue is largely coming from cost price per room more than is being driven by demand. I, you know, I keep thinking of things I should have asked earlier when we were on the subject, but uh, I, uh, so I'm going to go back to the restaurants for just a moment and talk about sports bars. And come March, we're going to have sports betting legalized in North Carolina. What changes will that uh, uh, bring about as far as sports bars? And uh, I, I'm just guessing that this is going to be an opportunity. Well, I, I, one would think it is. It is an issue that I've not been, and our association has not been very involved in. So we're eager to learn more about it, but it does sound like it's going to bring some important revenue and coupled with that new revenue, some investment in additional, uh, you know, amateur sporting events and fields and uh, things of that nature, which should drive additional revenue for the hospitality industry. 
So more to be seen on how that all plays out and what impacts it has on um, hotel and restaurant traffic. But sounds like a, overall, it's going to be a good thing here in North Carolina. Looking forward to learning more about that. The casino that is open in Kings Mountain, what uh, what effect will that have on travel and tourism in that area? I do think that's going to have a, a big impact. I remember when Harris opened the Cherokee Casino uh, in Cherokee, and there was a little bit of, you know, angst about that, you know, what impact that would have. That quickly became our number one tourist attraction in North Carolina. Hard to believe, but the volume of people who go through those casinos made it quickly the number one tourist attraction. Wow. And I didn't I know it was number one. I know. It's unbelievable. But I believe we're going to see the same thing with this new casino. People do enjoy casinos. They will travel long distances to visit casinos. And I think we're going to see some good traffic. We're looking forward to working with uh, the new casino as well as others that may come. You know, that's a, a topic on the table and probably will be uh, handled with, by the General Assembly at some point. But it really does expand our uh, hospitality footprint, more restaurants, more hotels that would come with those casinos. So all in all, um, it would really expand our hospitality industry here in the state, bring more money, more employees, and uh, more more tax base. All good. Well, when I grew up in Bessemer City, North Carolina, back in the 50s, I would have thought that uh, casinos and sports betting and that sort of thing was off the table forever. <laughs> you, you would think, but things are things are changing. And now if we can get our policymakers to take a more progressive look at alcohol through some alcohol reform we're working on, we'll, uh, we'll have it made here, Don. But we still are a little bit gun shy about uh, serving alcohol, I like to keep that under lock and key. And, uh, you know, we're not making that any easier for businesses. Well, we've got uh, one final segment coming up. And in that segment, I want to talk about how technology is changing both the uh, restaurants and the lodging uh, folks, and also uh, touch a little bit on the revitalization of downtown areas because uh, that's important. And we touched on that a little earlier. People expect them to be safe, but they're also expecting them to be new and fresh. Yes. Uh, and we also want to talk about uh, uh, anything uh, as far as the labor problems that the restaurants have as far as getting enough labor. And we'll do all of that when we return with our guest, Lynn Menges, President and Chief Executive Officer of the North Carolina Restaurant Lodging Association. And we'll do that right after these messages. As an 18-year-old, I let my mistakes kind of take over my life. I was 0.5 credits away from completing high school, and I didn't do it. Ten years later, at age 28, Jackie finished her high school diploma. When I found out that I was pregnant, I know that I had to do something for myself if I wanted to make her a better person and provide a better life for her. My family never stopped pushing for me to be better because they knew what I could become and who I could become as a person. My support team is amazing. The educational director, my sister, and even my seven-year-old daughter has just been more than the support that I could ask for. But I've been given an opportunity, and I'm just thankful for it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Adopt US Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting A Teenager Learning the Lingo. GOAT, G O A T, acronym, stands for greatest of all time. As in spaghetti sandwiches for dinner? They're my fave. Dad, you're the GOAT. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. 
Visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. This week, we have the president and CEO of the North Carolina Restaurant and Lodging Association, Lynn Mingis. She's been with us a number of times, and about two years ago, we were talking about the hard times being created by COVID, and some of those problems are solved. But some, of, of course, still remain. And one of the things that, Lynn, you told me during the break that you wanted to talk about was a, a new career development program that you have. Yes, and thanks for the opportunity. So you all know, your listeners know, we've talked about before the fact that um, during COVID, we displaced about half of our workforce. You know, one day when restaurants sh- shut down, March 17th, 2020, there were about eight weeks where restaurants were not allowed to be open. And because of that, many restaurants didn't have money to pay employees, and so they sent them home. Since that time, we've been working hard to rebuild our workforce and have, as we talked about earlier, seen some great success. But as a part of our uh, legislative ask, when we we talked with policymakers about what they could do to help our industry, we asked for a $5 million grant from ARPA funds, American Rescue Plan, um, that was set aside to help industries most impacted. So ours clearly met that criteria. We were an industry most impacted. And they allocated $5 million, which we um, have used to develop and execute a workforce development campaign. So what we did is um, launched a campaign in October of this past year designed to help introduce people to career opportunities in the industry, to talk about the merits of working in our industry, and to profile over 100 people at all levels of employment in our industry you know, about their work, what they love about their work. You know, they talk about the fact that it's hard work, but the fact they go home at night and they're satisfied. They, they talk about their the career opportunities where maybe they started an entry-level job and today they own a restaurant or two restaurants or run a hotel. Um, they talk about their experiences. And anyway, all of that, we, we launched uh, about three months ago and just recently have some incredible news around that program um, since we launched, we have um, created, you know, there's a website in conjunction with that, servingcareers.com. When folks go to that website, they can search for job opportunities that are available today. And so just before we came on the air, I looked, and today in North Carolina, there are 18,598 jobs in restaurants and hotels that are listed there on that website. They can search by area. If they want a job in Raleigh or Charlotte or Newburn. They can search by area. They can search by background and experience. I want one that requires a college degree. They can search by pay. Today I searched and there are over 2,700 jobs on that website that pay over $50,000 a year. So, you know, a really incredible tool. We are seeing record traffic on that website. 65 million people have visited that website. And we have had over 250,000 application starts. So people are going there, they're finding a job, and over 250,000 people have started an application. So, you know, just really incredible uh, results already with the campaign. It will run through May, but we think this is just a a wonderful opportunity to introduce people to careers in the industry at all levels. There are management level jobs. There are general manager jobs. uh, There are all kinds of career opportunities. And then one more thing, and I I won't spend too much time on this, but we also have a million dollars to train people who are interested. So if you want to be a general manager of a hotel, if that's something you ever thought you wanted to do, they can go online and take a course off that website 
and we'll pay for it. We have money from the federal government to underwrite the cost of that. If you want to be a restaurant manager or a, a bartender, um, any job in our industry, there are um, training courses online, over 65 of them, that folks can take for, for free. And I will say that there is no other state in our nation that's doing anything like this. We are unique in that way. But it really kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier, Don, is that we've done a good job, I think, in North Carolina of valuing tourism and the, the jobs it creates and the small businesses it supports. And because of that, we were able to leverage that uh, with policymakers to to get this investment that's making just a huge difference in North Carolina. So really proud of that program. And thanks for allowing me to talk about it just a little bit. Well, it sounds like a great program. And it sounds like it's uh, going to pay off. And, and, you know, interesting thing about any time the, the government supplies things that put people to work, it also creates taxpayers. <laughs> and so they have a return on their investment that uh, I've never seen really calculated, but it should be because uh, here are people who are, not earning, so therefore they're not making uh, tax payments, and now they're participating. That's right. That's right. So we're we're really pleased that folks are finding uh, work in our industry, and some of them part time, some of them students, some of them moms that stay home with their kids during the day. Spouse, you know, can keep them at night so they can go work a, a night shift in the industry. So you know, just a lot of flexibility with this industry, but it is all good. It's these are people who are contributing to our society and paying taxes and. Uh, and are making a difference every day. What about uh, technology? I, uh, Jason has a note on my list of things to talk to you about, and all it says is technology. So <laughs> what's happening in technology that might affect either uh, the restaurants or the lodging uh, folk that you deal with? Well, interesting. It is a it is a hot topic right now. There is a clamoring uh, for folks to try to improve efficiencies. You know, I'm talking about pressures with cost and pressures with labor that these businesses are facing. And so they're all, uh, you know, seeking ways they can implement technology to improve efficiencies, to create efficiencies and cost savings. So some of the things we're seeing both restaurants and hotels do are kiosk for ordering. Now, you know, you go into a quick serve restaurant, you have to use a kiosk frequently and you do that for ordering and for payment. So that is a change. You also, yesterday I checked into a hotel in our state, checked in with a kiosk and a key that's sent to my phone. So I didn't even have to go to the front desk. They already had my credit card information, use that key to swipe to go right into my room. That's a way they can create efficiencies, time savings for me as a consumer um, and, you know, reduce their labor cost. Um, we're seeing across the board, automated inventory management systems being put in place, digital kitchen displays, um, QR codes for menus. And that gives, um, you know, it saves printing cost. It also means you don't have to have somebody to walk over to the table, give you a menu or collect that menu, clean that menu. It also means that the business owner can change the menu daily. If they don't have uh, chicken wings today or they run out, they can take them off the menu. So the menu is live and interactive and it gives them the ability to change that menu depending on what's in season, what they can buy for, you know, a good value and what they can offer to their customers. So all of those things really are are changing our industry in, you know, unprecedented ways. Um, an interesting thing that that I've seen work a bit is robots. Uh, now, you know, I'm cautioning a little bit. There are some restaurants that are using robots to deliver food to the table. So there are a few of those across our state where that's working. But moreover, they're seeing robots working in the back of the house you know, moving goods, you know, to the line so it can be cooked. So we're seeing uh, implementation of robots. And in hotels, they're using them quite frequently for uh, both delivering goods 
um, you know, replenishing, let's say, linens and soaps and toiletries, but as well for vacuuming. Um, those are reducing labor cost, but it's a way that they can uh, invest in technology in new and innovative ways to make their businesses more efficient. So a lot of that happening across the state, across the country. But I think a real clamoring of uh, for business owners to learn more about those technologies and to make smart strategic investments that are really making a difference to their bottom line. And uh, the other topic I wanted to talk about, because uh, you're seeing a lot of towns uh, have already jumped on this bandwagon of revitalizing revitalizing the downtown areas. And this has uh, changed uh, the nightlife scene with bars and restaurants and, and uh, social places. Um, what's happening in that front? And uh, are we continuing to see a move toward more downtown uh, and uh, uh, development in, in areas that have not developed it so far? Well, I remember back when I was a, a, a student at Peace College and then NC State here in Raleigh, there weren't many restaurants and there wasn't much happening downtown. You know, there were just a few things around. And in my lifetime, I've seen just incredible growth in urban areas in the state. I, I happen to live here in Raleigh, live and work here, but I yesterday was in Charlotte and been all, you know, travel around the state. We saw a real uptick in growth of downtown urban areas uh, across North Carolina over the past 30 years, I guess, 20, 30 years. But uh, today we're seeing a little bit of a shift away from that in these urban areas. We are seeing, I mentioned earlier, we're seeing an increase in crime and homelessness and in violence downtown. Um, we're seeing a little bit of pressure on businesses because uh, many people, many businesses are allowing workers to work from home. And so we don't see the foot traffic in many of these urban areas. And that is a concern, something we're tracking pretty closely that, I meet with mayors. I met with five of them earlier this week, um, spoke to a group of them uh, a couple of weeks ago, you know, talking about this issue that we really have to come together and work on making downtowns vibrant and safe and inviting again. Um, because without that, we're going to see, I think, a migration from these urban areas back to the suburbs. Um, we are seeing a lot of suburban growth in ways that we've not seen in recent years. So, you, you know, these downtown restaurants may close a downtown location and they're choosing to move to, you know, people are working in the suburbs today. They're not commuting into downtowns as much. And so many of these restaurants are migrating back to the suburbs in a way they weren't. I think I'm seeing we're seeing a reverse trend. Um, and so there is a need for, I think, revitalization in urban areas I do think across the the rest of the country, across the rest of the state, we're seeing you know downtowns and small towns continue to grow and thrive and prosper, and and I think that will continue. But I think the thread is in some of our larger cities, a handful of you know six or eight cities where we're seeing you know on the national news they're talking about crime in these downtown areas, and um, that's something we don't need right now. So I do think that it's we're kind of at a, a time it's important for us to come together and and really take a hard look at, at these issues. Um, so that we don't see, you know, a, a loss of our urban centers that we that we depend on so much, and uh, that uh, are are were have the opportunity to be very popular. Also, That's so right. uh, we didn't touch on the bed and breakfast industry. Uh, you got thirty seconds on how the bed and breakfast people are doing. Well, they're doing pretty well. Um, I think folks always enjoy good hospitality to meet a local native, to stay in a home, to have a meal with somebody and to he hear good recommendations. They have uh, struggled a bit with um, other with competition from short term rentals. 
Uh, some of those folks have gotten in the business themselves, but things like Airbnb and VRBO, folks can go online and rent homes you know, on their own. And so there is a little bit of erosion of some of the market share there. We've seen some closing of bed and breakfast, um, but still a, a very, very popular way to travel and experience our state. So there, there's still a few out there, but I would say less today than there were you know, five or 10 years ago. Uh, and we also, of course, didn't talk about catering. And that's another area that uh, uh, seems to be growing with uh, a lot of emphasis on the, the coffee shops and stores. But our time is uh, sort of coming to an end. Lynn, we certainly appreciate you taking time to talk to us about uh, the interesting things that are going on and the recovery from COVID for both the restaurants and the hotels and motels and other lodging uh, folks that you represent at the North Carolina Restaurant and Lodging Association. Uh, it's uh, always great to have you on the show, and we'll look forward to having you come back soon. Our program has been produced by Jason Kong. He uh, promises me that uh, you can go online and hear a repeat of this broadcast by going to carolinanewsmakers.com and hear either the entire broadcast, or if you're listening to one of the stations that carries only the 30-minute version, you can listen to the two segments that you miss. That's carolinanewsmakers.com. Uh, so check that out and also any previous programs that you might have missed. Uh, our time is gone. We'll look forward to having you back next week, same time, same station, all across North Carolina. Till then, have a good week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.